Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. You took an oath, if you recall, when you first came to work for me. And I don't mean to the National Security Advisor of the United States. I mean to his boss. And I don't mean the president. You gave your word to his boss. You gave your word to the people of the United States. Your word is who you are. Actually, it seems like three words. Oh, wait, no, I, sorry. No, it's just, just the one. So, uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about a pretty sticky subject. Yeah, th- this is going to be a, a pretty complicated subject as well. Yeah. yeah, and it's no surprise that it's sticky, because things often are sticky after a leak. <laughs> you like how I did that? Yeah, I did. I am suffering sleep deprivation, but I can still make a bad pun. So we're going to talk about WikiLeaks. Now, you've probably heard about this site, if you're not already familiar with it from visiting it. Uh, WikiLeaks is a site that has been in the news quite a bit. In fact, the day that we're recording this podcast, news about WikiLeaks is exploding across the Internet. Yeah, it's still coming fast and furious. Um, In the, uh, the day we're recording this, it's only been a few days since... Uh, the site posted 220 new cables, uh, from the United States government in a batch of a much, much larger batch of, uh, different communications. Right, like hundreds of thousands of communications. Yes. Um, so, and by cables, we're specifically saying messages. Yes, I, and I kind of thought that was funny, but that, uh, uh, we're still using that term to describe these different messages. These these types of messages have been around uh, for literally hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, the United States, the United <laughs> United States uh, correspondents around the world. Um, we're talking people like diplomats of different varieties, uh, intelligence officers. Pass these these different kinds of uh, cables back and forth uh, between one another. Some of them are are coded. Right. Uh, some of them are not coded, but they're still coded. Yeah, some of them are listed as secret, but they're not necessarily top secret. It's essentially meant for, you know, for the people to whom the cable's concerned, right? It's not not meant for general public consumption. Yeah, and in, in a lot of cases, it's uh, it's not meant for the uh, consumption of uh, the people they're talking about, too. And in some cases, they're just completely not flattering. Like, you know, the, right, uh, right. the ambassador from so-and-so is a real nimrod. right. He's it's, kind of, or or he's flabby. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's some, there's some, there's some personal attacks in, in them. Well, let's let's really talk about what WikiLeaks is first of all. It is a nonprofit organization. Um, its its main outlet is its website, which, uh, depending upon when you listen to this podcast, may or may not be available when you uh, try to navigate to it. This morning, when I tried to navigate to it, uh, it was the the official website URL was was gone. Like, mm-hmm. if you try to go to it, it said that there was something wrong. Uh, and sometimes that just happens, was essentially the message. Yeah. But there were there are lots of mirror sites up there that still were working. So mm-hmm. I, I could still navigate to WikiLeaks. It's just I couldn't go to the official URL. Right. right. Um, and I, I think it's, it's important to note, um, at least I think it is important to say that uh, this is not affiliated with, uh, you know, the Mickey, Wikimedia 
group. Right. Uh, you know, that, that started uh, Wikipedia and Wikimedia Commons and so many of the other wiki sites. It uses a wiki. Right. It's using the wiki as the foundation for the website. So I, I don't know if there doesn't seem to be a lot of com- con. Bleh. I'm having trouble talking today. Uh, a lot of confusion about that. Uh, right. But right. I, I think it's important to notice that uh, despite the fact that it's got wiki in there, it's not like a trademarked word. So, right. It's two uh, separate entities. This it is has uh, nothing to do with the Wikipedia folks. No, this is uh, this actually comes from uh, someone else, uh, not inside the United States. Um, his name is Julian. Yes, Julian Assange. He's mm-hmm. uh, founder and editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks, also sort of the public face of the site. Yes, yes, he is indeed. He's not the only one working on this. It's not a one-man uh, operation by any stretch of the imagination. But he uh, he's sort of the – he's definitely the personality that uh, is, is, for better or worse, connected incontrovertibly with WikiLeaks. Nice. Thank you. I had to slow that down because I wasn't sure I could pronounce it. I'm also having trouble with my words today. At any rate, so Julian Assange, he, he, find, he he's one of the founders of the site, or the founder of the site. Uh, the site launched publicly in uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just been in the news, in, uh, or it really started to take off in the news in, in 2010. But in 2007 was when it, was, when it launched, uh, and it's a project of the Sunshine Press. Yes. Now, the purpose of WikiLeaks is, again, it's a nonprofit organization. Its purpose is to be a, a place where you can... Uh, leak information. You can drop information that's important, that is being uh, hidden in some way, that's not being um, uh, uh, distributed to the general public, but is other, but is very important information, or yes. it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the idea here is that the governments are performing actions and and uh, and distributing distributing information uh, that's above the heads of the citizens and the philosophy of WikiLeaks is that's a bad thing mm-hmm. that government should be much more transparent particularly a representative government which presumably is, is representing the interests of the people mm-hmm. right you're talking about people who elect specific individuals to represent them in a official government capacity well if this if they if the government's not transparent you don't know if your representatives are doing a good job or not mm-hmm. or or doing what you want them to do it may turn out that the government is acting in a way that is against the wishes of the people it represents and then you have to ask yourself is this a legitimate government now these are big ideas mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that wikileaks answers them in any way shape or form but it's kind of their philosophy that Information needs to get out there, and they are a kind of a, a dumping ground for information. Right, right. That's that's really what I think most of the debate is at this point is is this uh, is this leaked information serving a higher purpose and serving the people? And um, you know, this is it's not limited to the information from the United States. There there are other. Uh, sources of information as well, and some of the information that has been leaked from the United States government also affects other nations. So this is something that's that's affecting people the world over. Now, um, as a former newspaper reporter, I can tell you that um, this is a role that in the United States has been typically carried out by the press or right. by the by the news media, mm-hmm. um, and uh, has has been uh, also done in the past by and several pretty high profile cases um you know i can think of uh, several 
uh, offhand, and I'll bring one up later um, when we get into the actual source of this particular information. Because really, WikiLeaks, though it has been around, uh, it wasn't until they uh, got some information from one particular person. Well, one allegedly from one particular person. Mm-hmm. That would be a private first ca- private first class Bradley Manning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who uh, uh, who has been uh, basically charged with supplying confidential information, including. 251,287 cables, um, which apparently were gleaned from a military database or databases and uh, smuggled out theoretically, uh, well, I I should say allegedly, on a CD labeled Lady Gaga. Yeah, this this raises some questions about security within the military. Uh, you said, or what was his rank again? Private, private first, class. first class. He's a non-commissioned so, officer. Right, private first class. And so you think, okay, well, at least on some level, you would assume that the information this person could access would not be critical information because he's not really of a rank that would allow him to see uh, information that's classified above secret, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, you would also think that there wouldn't be an easy way to get that information off of the system and then into someone else's hands. In fact, the uh, a lot of government offices, including the military, are now looking at systems that would not allow you to uh, to pull information and put it onto another form of media. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't be able to use it like a USB drive or um, burn it to a disk because the the system itself would prevent you from doing so. Yeah, I uh, I would like to point out that I misspoke. What's that? Uh, private first class is not a non commissioned officer. Oh, good. But he's a private first class. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, so all Sorry. of you, that, all that of you, that bugged me. I knew I, I had misspoken as soon as I said it. Uh, and I, I am just going to say I am uh, mostly ignorant of the military, um, other than the fact that I am very thankful for them. So uh, yeah, that's why I didn't jump on there and correct you because I didn't know any better. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's uh, one of those things that I knew as soon as it was itching in the back of my head. <laughs> yeah. You just said something. Why wrong. did you say that? Yes. Okay. So all right. So we've got this the site where it's hit the news because all these different uh, all these messages that really were not meant for public consumption are now out there and available. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that we automatically go through and read them all. A lot of newspapers did because you know this was ripe for picking through this and seeing what was actually interesting on there. So a lot of the a lot of the fallout from the whole WikiLeaks situation really comes from secondary uh uh sources, right? Like a like other newspapers and things of that nature. Well, that's true. Um see, uh, some of the information was also leaked directly to some of the publications as well. Right. Um I believe uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the New York Times was one of those. Yes. Uh, they got their own copy of these uh, documents. That's true. And, and I feel compelled to point out, too, that a lot of these cables, especially the diplomatic cables, um, they're released anyway, but they're usually released later, uh, frequently when the people involved are dead so that we can't hear about how flabby they are. Right. Or we can't hear their reaction to exactly. being called flabby. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They. Sorry. That was uh, another misstatement on my part. I'm doing great today, man. Because considering I'm the one who hasn't had any sleep for so long, it's it, no, never mind. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's what I get for changing the day that we podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it it um, 
you know, these, these documents are usually published years after the fact. And, and in this case, these, these documents are much, much more, uh, fresh. Yeah. Than those. I, I believe, uh, the number I read was the mid seventies is now where they're being published, uh, where they're up to in the, um, in these documents, typically like the official publication of these documents. And some of them are probably not, are held back even longer depending on how sensitive they are. And that's, that's a good point because some people may be under the impression that the documents that are on WikiLeaks are, um, are really recent, like within the last couple of years. And some of them are. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there are, there are documents specifically about the war in Afghanistan and, yes. and, mm-hmm. uh, and the, you know, war in Iraq and things of that nature. Um, so there are some that are more recent. It's just this most, uh, the fresh batch that hit WikiLeaks mm-hmm. is not among them. They, those are older documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, before we get too embroiled in the whole government thing, WikiLeaks doesn't just publish uh, uh, messages about governments. They'll also do it no. about companies, about mm-hmm. individuals. Really, it's anything that kind of, uh, I guess, that, that WikiLeaks f- feels is, is being um, disingenuous or is trying to hide something, something that that the site feels people should know mm-hmm. they'll they'll go ahead and publish it now maybe not to the extent that everyone at wikileaks wishes the site did right and and that tortured sentence was really a way of saying there's some people who had worked for wikileaks in the past who felt that perhaps assange was taking um a very uh a very specific approach that they didn't they didn't agree with. And the main thing, the main argument was that Assange's, uh, MO was to wait for these really big, mm-hmm. uh, leaks, like the, the 200 plus thousand, uh, uh, cables to come out and then would release them in a, in a big batch. And it gets a lot of, a lot of publicity mm-hmm. and, uh, a lot of attention toward WikiLeaks. Uh, the argument that the, the people who left WikiLeaks say is, is more important is you should be publishing the smaller stuff too. It doesn't attract the attention of the big leaks like the the cables, but it's equally as important to people to know that information, right? Right. So they're they're essentially accusing Assange of ignoring the smaller stories in favor of the big stories, mm-hmm. and uh, and so some of them left, and a few of them are planning on launching essentially a, a competitive site to WikiLeaks that would. Pick up where WikiLeaks leaves off. Um, chief among them would be Daniel Domscheitberg. Okay, one of the uh, one of the fellows who was working on WikiLeaks in Germany. He left um, and is publishing a, a novel, a book, not a novel, but um, a nonfiction book uh, in January of 2011 about working for WikiLeaks and sort of the kind of inside baseball on what it was like working for the website. And what led to his decision to leave? Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds to me like he still believes in the the official philosophy of WikiLeaks. He just doesn't feel that the site is carrying that that philosophy to fruition. Mm-hmm. He thinks that they've they've sort of lost their way. At least that's that's what I glean from the interviews I've read. I I have not spoken with him personally, so I can't really be certain. Yeah, but at any rate, so you've got this website that's publishing. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of documents that were not necessarily meant to be read by you and I, and uh, that's drawn some attention, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and 
it's drawn a lot of criticism as well. And some of those criticisms range from uh, this is irresponsible and it puts the United States in danger and other nations at, uh, at risk as well by revealing information that was not meant for everyone to, to access. And because it's on the Internet, mm-hmm. it's not like it's just going to one audience. It's going out to the world. Right. Now, there are some countries that have said that they aren't going to pay any attention to the documents that are on WikiLeaks, that they're not going to um, give it the, the satisfaction, I guess. Like like China has specifically said that it's going to block WikiLeaks, which, no surprise, really, it's China. Yeah. But it's going to block WikiLeaks, and they're not going to pay attention to the messages that are listed in there because they, they think it would be more harmful than good. Uh, now, whether that... that claim is true or not i can't say mm-hmm. you know whether they'll they'll truly not look at the the messages who who's to say besides china and you know they're claiming one way so mm-hmm. but anyway there are other people specifically politicians in the united states who have said that the the behavior of assange and uh, the wikileaks site in general has been very irresponsible to the point of possibly uh, being treasonous or a yes. matter of espionage. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are serious charges, and um, depending on your point of view, they could be punishable to pretty big extremes. In fact, I think a few politicians have more or less called for Assange's head. <laughs> you know, I think they would. I think in their mind they would put it on a pike and set it out in front of Hudson Bay and say, "This is a warning to all of you." Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, he has. Yeah, he could end up in a, uh, with a lengthy prison term. Um. Anyway, at least uh, according to to uh, the information I read from uh, Ann Flaherty from the AP. Right, uh, but he but is facing the, that. But the charges that he's brought up on are not related directly to WikiLeaks. No, no. And and some have argued that you can't really. What would you charge him with yeah. for WikiLeaks? Because. According to the site's philosophy, again, they do not solicit information. They offer a a dumping ground for mm-hmm. information, but they don't go out and ask for it. So in other words, he's just saying, hey, I'm just here and I say it, said that I will accept any information that comes through my door. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to go out there door to door and say, hey, do you have any secrets for me to tell? So really that... That would suggest that the responsibility lies on the people leaking the information, not on WikiLeaks for accepting it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what do you charge someone for hearing a secret? It's not like it's their fault necessarily. I mean, they may say that I've got I've got ears and I'm willing to listen, right? But that's different from going out and seeking out secret information. True. So really, the there are those who support WikiLeaks who argue, well, the the fault lies with people who are leaking this info. So you can't really charge WikiLeaks with anything. There are also those who say, well, even if Assange is guilty of the allegations against him, which, again, don't have anything to do with WikiLeaks, those are, they're actually, it's a, it's a charge of rape, a charge of sexual molestation, and a couple of other related charges. And these are very serious charges. They don't necessarily mean that WikiLeaks is going to go away if Assange is convicted of these charges. Right. So... You know, even I think there's some people who support WikiLeaks who go to a true extreme and say that the charges against Assange are manufactured and that some sort of conspiracy and it's all designed to try and make WikiLeaks go away. Right. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes me think of Al Capone in a way. Oh, about you you go after whatever you can get on him. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there there are those people who who think that that's what it is. That's the United States government pressuring Sweden to pursue these claims against Assange in order to get him out of the way. I I'm a little skeptical of that. I first of all, I think that that's placing way too much um way too much skepticism against the people claiming these these allegations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's dismissing them entirely. And I think that's irresponsible. Mm-hmm. It, what needs to happen is there needs to be a true investigation that's objective to see if the allegations are if they hold any weight. Yeah. Because because otherwise you're ta- you're saying that these the the women who are claiming these allegations against Assange that they don't matter. And I think that's just as horrible as some of the other allegations being thrown out by WikiLeaks supporters. Yeah. Now, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the allegations are true, of course, and also it doesn't mean that if Assange were convicted that WikiLeaks would disappear. Right. There are other people to carry on WikiLeaks if Assange left. You would just have a different spokesperson. Yes, and as a matter of fact, apparently there is some kind of, and, and this is going to be sort of weird because it is possible that before this podcast goes out, um, some, this, this actually will be triggered. Um, but they, he, uh, and don't take me literally here, apparently he has referred to a thermonuclear device, which is not actually a thermonuclear device, but basically it's a, a mega something. There's a, a giant file somewhere in the WikiLeaks system that if something happens to the website, it is supposed to be triggered. Now, it's sort of unclear, based on the research that I've done, whether it's a giant blast of leaks that will be published somewhere in the world that will basically dump all the information at one time, or if it's some kind of uh, code, um, either, I guess, to prevent uh, another attack or attack the attacker or something. Um, It's sort of unclear exactly what it is, but uh, Assange has said that, you know, if you come after us and, and completely take down the site, you know, there is something waiting for you. There will yeah, be that's, consequences. That's that's not doing him any favors either. No, I, I don't <laughs> it's think not, so either. not helping him in the eyes of his critics. Um, now, so so we've gotten to the point where we think that WikiLeaks would stay around even if Assange goes away. Well, there are enough um, supporters, too, uh, third-party supporters who are willing to mirror the site where I don't think that's going to be an issue. Right. Now, some things that are issues are that the site uh, subsists on donations. Yes. Well, a lot of the the uh, avenues for donation are getting cut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been reports that MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal, among other financial services, have ceased payments to WikiLeaks. That's correct. I've heard that. So now you're talking about, all right, well, this can't have anything to do with the the allegations against Assange because th- why would you why would you connect the company with the uh, the man right it's two right. different entities right of course so, in the United States here if it's a company it is treated like a person right but and then, that's the same thing though you say all right well the company's one person Assange is another person you can't you know you can't charge both for the crimes of one but when you when you stick yourself out there too and make yourself the face of the company right. You, so, you're running that risk that you will be identified that closely. So if, if if you do assume that the charges against Assange truly have nothing to do with his role in WikiLeaks. Right. And let's go ahead. We'll just say that that's we'll, we'll assume that's true for the sake of this argument. OK. Um, it's harder to say, all right, well, what's the justification for cutting off the avenues for financial support to WikiLeaks? That 
probably has more to do with the political aspect and the financial aspect of the site than anything else. Mm -hmm. So if Assange was gone, I would imagine that those block blockades would still be up. And, uh, and at least PayPal, the uh, president of PayPal said in an interview, the reason why PayPal shut off uh, payments to WikiLeaks was because the State Department said that WikiLeaks was performing illegal activity and therefore uh, it br it was against the terms of service for PayPal. So they, mm -hmm. they followed suit and they shut down. So, well, if the State Department tells us it's illegal, we have to follow with what they say. So in this case, it does look like it's government pressure to try and cut off the uh, the financial support for WikiLeaks, mm -hmm. which that gets pretty thorny. That's, yes. a, that's a touchy, touchy subject. Because again, if WikiLeaks is not truly doing anything wrong, if they're just receiving information, if they're not seeking it out, then it becomes sort of a First Amendment thing as well. Yeah. Like, are you suggesting that the First Amendment does not apply in this case? And and if so, why? And what is your what is your grounds for this assertion? Mm -hmm. Is that constitutional or not? Um, in the meantime, uh, because of these actions, we've also seen some vigilante justice being carried out online by uh, by people who either support or oppose WikiLeaks. Mm -hmm. uh, in one case, we have denial of service attacks hitting WikiLeaks itself and bringing the site to either a crawl or crashing it at times. Uh, carried out by by uh, presumably by a hacker who goes by the handle uh, the jester, mm -hmm. and the jester has claimed responsibility for these attacks uh, that brought WikiLeaks to its virtual knees. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, there's another group uh, that is uh, essentially identified as anonymous. You may remember we've talked about anonymous a few times in the past. Yes, we have. And anonymous is targeting the various financial services and companies that oppose WikiLeaks. So right. they've presumably done distributed denial of service attacks against things like, you know, like MasterCard and PayPal. Yes. So we've got this ugly guerrilla warfare going on in cyberspace among two different camps. The really crazy thing is these hackers are not necessarily state-sponsored at all. Yeah. It's not like there's a government behind these hackers. These are a lot of individuals who have a strong opinion about the subject, and they're acting on it. Mm -hmm. It's anarchy, really, when you look at it. I mean, it, right now, from our perspective, you know, from our experience, it just feels like, oh, this one site is really slow. Or, gosh, that's annoying. You know, the site is down. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it behind the scenes, if you were able to kind of get a virtual look at what's going on, it's some of the fiercest fighting in, I, I've seen in mm -hmm. an online capacity. Yep. And in a way, you might say that this is an indication of what true warfare is going to be like from here on out. It's going to have not just state uh, armies battling one another, but it's going to have concerned people on either side of issues acting on their own on behalf of whatever side they support mm -hmm. and using basic computers. I mean, this is not like cutting edge technology by any stretch of the imagination. If you have a decent computer, you can create a botnet yeah. and you can direct it to attack whichever site you want. And it may not la the attack might not last very long, depending upon the defenses of that site, mm -hmm. but you can do it. And it's truly terrifying to me <laughs> that that this is happening. Well, um, you know, did you want to talk about some of the content? 
goes sure. on there because sure. it, just speaking of that reminded me of a topic that we've brought up uh, several times in the show and back on Tech Stuff Live when we still had Tech Stuff Live going was the uh, attack on Google. Yes. Uh, and apparently the uh, the WikiLeaks documents have, that have already been posted uh, clarified who was actually behind that attack. Right. If you, if you remember back when this was making the news, the, the story was that uh, Google's site in China was uh, Google was going to start providing unrestricted search results right. in China because uh, they the company had come to the conclusion that following China's rules w- was sort of fundamentally against their philosophy. Right. China, uh, the, as a result, the there was a, an attack on Google websites. There was some uh, uh, data stolen, quite a bit actually, mm-hmm. from Google. And uh, it was stolen by hackers, and China claimed that it had the government had nothing to do with the attacks. The attacks were carried out by other individual hackers. Yeah, individual hackers who were acting on their own, not not state sponsored. Turns out, according to the WikiLeaks documents, not so much. Yeah, according to the WikiLeaks documents, China's not quite as innocent. No, the Politburo uh, directed the attacks. Yeah, according to the information. Now that that's something else too. I don't know how. Whether there's any way to verify the information that has been posted in these cables, right? They, I, I'm, you know, it's already been pointed out that some of them are actually kind of fluffy and and uh, personal. They're right. not necessarily, uh, you know, espionage, heavy duty, uh, high classified information. So I don't know for sure whether you know that, that's why I'm sort of hedging on that is because according to these documents, but, right? Yeah, and WikiLeaks does claim that. They put every single uh, submission through a very rigorous um, mm-hmm. uh, examination to make sure that it's true. And part of that, part of that is they say, well, how much would it cost to create a fake version of this? The more it costs, the more likely it's not a fake because it becomes prohibitive, right? But if it's if it would be cheap, if it'd be really easy to make a fake version of that story, well, then you're like, all right, well, this this is less reliable. We have to really look into it and see if we can truly source this. That's logical. So, yeah, it, they, they lay out their process pretty clearly on their page. So you can actually read how what you know what process they follow to try and verify a document's veracity. Mm-hmm. But that being said, we still don't really know, right? Yeah. I mean, we can – you things, things go into a spectrum of believability. Well, that's true. And it's certainly, judging by the reactions of different governments around the world to some of the information that has come out, uh, I'd say that a lot of it is, the the information that's been posted so far is probably has a high uh, degree of accuracy, like NATO, uh, you know, trying to uh, apologize to the Russians. Oh, about the Baltics. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That apparently, and this is an, this is another instance where it's not necessarily the United States government that's involved. Of course, they do. You know, they are involved in NATO, but right. uh, NATO um, apparently they uh, they were they leaked a defense plan, and NATO is going, yeah, we're really sorry. Yeah, a defense plan in the case of essentially an attack by Russia, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So so. Here's the thing. Some people argue that the information WikiLeaks reveals is stuff we all know. It's yeah. just stuff we don't say. So in yeah. other words, like y- you think about it, it makes sense that we would have contingency plans if random country attacked random other country. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that just makes sense, especially if there's, you know, an antagonistic relationship between the two nations. 
there have to be contingency plans. If there are no contingency plans, you are you don't have a good defense system, mm-hmm. right? You have to make those plans so that you know how to react in case the worst happens. Sure. So we all know this. Everyone knows it, but you don't say it. When you say yeah. it, then it becomes a problem, and it's it's so crazy because you because everyone knows it already. <laughs> like, like, wait, we all or are we just having a shared hallucination that we all are ignorant of this information, and <laughs> somehow it doesn't exist until someone says something? Yeah, I that's yeah. human beings. We some crazy people. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Um, you know, uh, it, it's funny because as I was poking around doing some research for this, uh, I uh, came across the name of somebody from our past that a lot of us either may not have heard of, depending on their age, or had for- forgotten about somewhat since his name hasn't been in the news What's as that? much. Daniel Ellsworth. Ah. You remember him? Uh, vaguely. Uh, yes. He uh, he used to be in the uh, in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, later on, he uh, he went to work for the Rand Corporation. In the 1960s, and he uh, ended up working on uh, the McNamara study of United States decision making in Vietnam, uh, and then came across and, and supplied some documents known as the Pentagon Papers mm-hmm. to some newspapers, including the Times and the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually uh, posted, um, and I'll, I'll quote here. Uh, the truth is that every attack now made on WikiLeaks and Julian Assange was made against me and the release of the Pentagon Papers at the time. Yeah. So there, there is a precedent for sensitive information being leaked to the media of, of whatever kind of media, you know, to public media mm-hmm. and it being spread. Now, I mean, not all the media have been okay with posting this. Um, the Times is among those that are, are posting sort of selectively. Yeah. Uh, some of the information. Well, and and it's a totally different world now too, because it, yeah. it it's now possible to distribute this information on a much wider scale than ever before, and much much more easily than ever before. There, it takes less effort to share that to share even more information than you could in the past. Yes. So, and plus, there's a there's a ready built audience in there. We've got an audience of people who to some degree or another, are disenchanted with the way government runs things. And not just the United States government, but this is true in very in, in many countries around the world. Mm-hmm. You have a disenchanted audience, and they're eager to look at this information because uh, it's natural, right? You, you get this sort of suspicious feeling that things are not going the way they should be, uh, or they're being directed in a way that is somewhat, or at least seems, at least on a surface level, to be somewhat sinister. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that you have proclamations from the government claiming that it's going to be more transparent going forward and that that, that's their philosophy is transparency so that they can prove that they're acting on the best interest of the citizens. And then when things like this come out, it seems to contradict that message. Mm -hmm. And so it it breeds even more distrust and it breeds more confusion and anger. And so it's really – I mean, it's hard to say who would be at fault. I mean, you could argue that, okay, well, WikiLeaks is at fault because it's letting the information be available. But then you could argue, wait, this information exists whether it's available or not. The people who are at fault are the people who generate this information, who are causing these things to happen. Right. And uh, But then you think, well, yeah, but who puts those people in power? Technically, it's us. And then you say, well, yeah, but look at the choices we have. No matter who we put in power, there it just becomes this, this domino effect until you finally sit down and you're like, I need some chocolate and I'm going to turn on some music, maybe the monkeys, and I'm just <laughs> going to listen to something happy and I'm not going to pay attention no more. Well, I, I think that in these cases, 
the release of information like this is one thing, but whether or not it fosters a discourse of some kind, yeah, whether people are debatable. talking about <laughs> debatable. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean that's that's one of the things that I think you could say about releasing it to a major news outlet is whether or not there is any framing of the information, whether it's being released on its own or whether there is a context built around the information that explains what's going on and um, sort of a, a dialogue going on about it. Um, you know, so it's I, I, it's kind of interesting because there's. I think that really makes a difference in the way people react to it. Um, and then there are the, the people who are just information junkies who are com- just completely fascinated. Uh, you know, they're not necessarily the, uh, um, the people who are either skeptical of the government's plans or the people who support it, but they're just going, huh, Yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah. I, I, I have to say some of the stuff that, that's come out has been really fascinating, just, just on a completely middle of the dial spectrum, just going... That's really, really interesting. You know, that people yeah. are even talking about this stuff like uh, the unification of Korea. Yeah. It's one of the things yeah. that's come out that that people have been talking about uh, the possibility that North Korea might cave and uh, they might be able to unify Korea's and the different countries of the world, how they uh, they interpret that. Right. Um, and I just never considered that as a possibility in my lifetime. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, interesting stuff. Yeah, it's it's. Again, I, I agree with you. Some of the information that's available on WikiLeaks is uh, not necessarily the most useful, and you kind of wonder why even bother hosting it. Because really, you think about it, you'd think, ultimately, the only thing I see this doing is ticking people off. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not helpful in any way. It's not like it. It's not like it reveal. Again, a lot of these are the unspoken truths that I was talking about. Right. It's stuff that we all kind of know on some level, but. It, to see it written down makes it some somehow more real. Yeah. Uh, some in some of those cases, I just don't see any real sense in that. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, sure, it's there and it's embarrassing, but it's not like it's uh, a betrayal of trust on, uh, you know, the government's part for on behalf of the citizens. You know, so. Well, of course, uh, everybody interprets information differently. So That's true. something that may be completely benign to me. Right. Maybe very inflammatory to someone else. Yeah, and like, sure... like that whole cable about how bald guys are just total jerkwads. I mean, that was just mean-spirited. I told you I'm sorry I wrote that. Yeah, all right, well, whatever. No takebacks. <laughs> you know what? We're going to have to wrap this up. But anyway, yeah, the WikiLeaks story, it's going to keep on unfolding. I mean, by the time this podcast publishes, there'll probably be you know dozens more developments but um, it was something that we felt that we really needed to tackle. We had a lot of requests from various listeners to talk about this topic. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot that we haven't said. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see more of what comes out about it in the weeks to come because there's, it's very likely that this will continue for some time. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do a follow-up on WikiLeaks in the future. I mean, it, it, it's really brought a lot of issues on the Internet to light. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not, not just ones directly connected to WikiLeaks, but free speech issues and mm-hmm. And journalism issues, cyber terrorism issues. Yep. I mean, there's security problems. There's just so much that WikiLeaks has brought to light directly or indirectly. So it's yeah. really been a fascinating and somewhat disturbing story to follow. And they're, they're important issues to talk about. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad we have the opportunity to do that. I so far. 
<laughs> for, for today. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up. If you guys want to pipe up and let us know what you think of WikiLeaks or you have other topics you'd like to suggest, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, or you can email us. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Don't tell anyone. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?